Welcome to This Life, the Chronicles of Autism Mums, hosted by me, Alison Sarah. Each week, I'm joined by amazing women who happen to have autistic kids. Hasna, Moira, Susanna, Reen, Maha, Karina, Huma and Rana, Alteki. Each week, we talk about navigating the ups and downs of parenting kids with autism and how that affected us and our lives as women, mothers and professionals. Strap in, grab some tissues, sometimes you'll cry from empathy and other times from laughter. Join us on our journey of this life. In this episode, we'll be chatting with mums about SEND schools versus mainstream schools, the implications of that and how we made those choices. Thank you for joining us for this episode of This Life podcast brought to you by Learn Autism. For those of you watching the video, you can check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash learnautism. You'll notice we have a different setup today, which we are trying out and very excited about. So we are all together, COVID-free, in person. So welcome, ladies. So I'd like to introduce you to Susanna. Hi, Alison. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. And I'm so excited to be doing this in person as well. I know. It's so so much nicer and so much better. Maha, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. And Moira, welcome. Hello. And I'm your host, Alison Saraf, and we're going to get started with this uh, next conversation. So welcome, ladies, again, and uh, it's so nice to see you. Please help yourself to the chocolates that we have here to keep you going. Um, We're going to start talking about um, SEN schools versus mainstream schools. And I think um, rather than perhaps getting started and talking about the differences between mainstream and SEN schools, what I'd like to do today is to talk about how um, you made your choices, because I know some of us have gone to mainstream schools, some of us have gone to um, SEND schools, and some of us have had a kind of mix of those experiences. Um, but really just to kind of um, de- like desensitize the situation, really, because I think that in a lot of cases, there are a lot of parents that maybe feel that they really want their child to go to a mainstream school um, but for whatever reason they don't necessarily recognize the reasons perhaps why they could benefit from a SEND school instead of a mainstream setting Um, and you know your experiences of that and how you know you coped if your child was in a mainstream school uh, versus how you know you know, was it any easier for people who've got their children in SEND schools? So um, I'll get started, I think, with Susanna. Mm -hmm. So when you were kind of making a decision about where your son went to school, was it quite clear for you that, you know, you were going to go, you know, in a mainstream setting? And, um, you know, what was, how how was it clear to you, you know, what you what choice were you you were gonna make? So at that point, I didn't really know um, what we needed to do. I I mentioned in a previous episode when he kind of was in nursery and we had just started doing therapy and then at one point moved him into an AI program for a few months um, for him to have the consistency that he wasn't able to get in a nursery setting. And um, he didn't necessarily maybe need to be there. I, I've mentioned multiple times mm. and I always talk about kids on, that are on the milder end of the spectrum mm. just because they kind of like fall through the cracks because they don't really have, they don't need the same setup as a child that has like severe 
um, what do you want to call them, yeah, symptoms or whatever. Exactly, but that's the thing. Mm. But also, even if you were, for example, choosing a mainstream setting, what were your main concerns about that? Having, having so, had experience of nursery yeah. in him falling between the cracks just because there wasn't a level of consciousness maybe of the staff about what exactly he needed yeah. so what, what you know how did you feel honestly about that? at that point mm. I just uh, was trying to find a place for him mm-hmm. I knew he didn't necessarily need to be in a, a special school but I also knew that he definitely needed support in whatever mainstream school he's in and again it's he's my only child I don't have the experience of you know, having kids in a school and what kind of support he needs. Mm-hmm. So it kind of was like a, a learning by try, like yeah, trial basis kind error, of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I really didn't have that much of a choice. There was literally only two options, mm-hmm. one that was 45 minutes away and one that was an hour away. So we ended up choosing the closer one. Yeah. And I, I literally like just kind of got rejected by various schools over the phone without even sending an application in just by disclosing the situation right. again, you know, so yeah. So yeah. What did you, once you've decided on the school yeah. um, and obviously those choices were mainstream, um, but they had um, what you understood to be a level of support for mm-hmm. him. How, what were your biggest, like, how were you feeling? Like, can you remember back to the day before um, he started school. What were your biggest concerns for you um, and for him? You know, what were you kind of, um, what were you looking forward to, and what were you most anxious about for him? Honestly, I, I, I mean, at that point, we had one of the requirements for for him to be enrolled was to have a shadow teacher. And again, I had mentioned where that was only because it was a new school opening up, etc. Um, I just. I think I just didn't know what I was getting into, kind of. Yeah. And I I was really involved on a, the day-to-day to kind of pick up on maybe certain things that maybe teachers might consider normal or, you know, something that just doesn't really bother them. But, like, I might know that that's a repetitive mm. behavior mm. that might be, yeah. you know... Uh, depending on the thing yeah. whatever the case just was. his like idiosyncrasies that they didn't know so it's exactly. all about those like those little, little things. quirks yes that might that depends on whether or not he has a particularly great day or not if somebody's not understanding how he's trying to perhaps communicate yeah and i think that like how they dealt with that behaviorally or otherwise was mm. like super important and that's why i was like super like in touch with like the mm. shadow and his mm. teacher and i was like mm. very 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 involved and honestly i would like uh, say that the school was very good about letting me have that level of yeah. interaction. Did you have to push for that, or did you initially no? But yeah. I think as he grew and got older, there were times where I felt eventually they kind of wanted me to slowly back off, and it was like an awkward kind of transition because I mean he is getting better. At the end of the day, he's thriving, so. Um, you know, I had to kind of let a little bit go of that. <laughs> of the mama bear. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do see with all the support and everything they had set in place, mm. I feel like I had a big, big, big role with like picking up on those little things that they wouldn't have picked up So on. do you think that you're a particularly fierce mother? Do you think they were like, okay, well, we're just not, she knows best. We're going to like, we're not going to cross her. We're just going to. 
We're just going to go with what she recommends. Or were you kind of nice and pleasant or did you just go in like a wrecking ball? I think it depends on the situation. (laughs) But I think generally speaking, not just with him, and there's like other things related to school in general. The school has always been accepting of like comments. If you're, as long as you're being fair and giving constructive, you know, Mm -hmm. a criticism or whatever, they always kind of would consider whatever topic I would bring up Mm -hmm. um yeah right now I'm kind of uh I don't want to say feeling differently but you know there's a change of management change of like he's getting older so he's now with all the different specialty teachers so I'm finding it a lot harder to kind of keep a track on everybody it's very difficult and get feedback from them as well yeah it's it's hard Mm -hmm. you know it's hard with so many Mm -hmm. different like Mm -hmm. teachers yeah yeah okay that's um it's good to know and also I mean Maha, from your experience, your um, your journey has been um, slightly different to Susanna's, mm-hmm. um, whereas your son needed perhaps a little bit more support, mm-hmm. but still in a mainstream setting. Yes. So, um, but kind of similar to um, to Susanna's situation, just in the mm-hmm. sense that you know he's. Um, you know, with a shadow teacher on and off, he's been able, you know, to be fine in a mainstream setting. Um, what have you found the most frustrating thing about having, um, and I, I don't want to use the word higher functioning because I, I know that we do use it, but, you know, as we say, that all of these children come with um, a lot of challenges. It's not easy for them. And it's also, you know, when they are hidden, um, then it's really very difficult to get people to and get educators to necessarily identify that they still do need a lot of help mm-hmm. and you know and support. So, what did you find? You know, from um from a perspective of a parent who's going into a mainstream school but with a send child, how were you like feeling about being received by other parents and by the faculty mm-hmm. there and you know, how did you feel that he was going to fare as, um, you know, as a, a, a child in that classroom? So what happened was the first two years of school, uh, my son was in a special needs school. So he was in a satellite class within a mainstream school, meaning this was in Australia. So he only had six children in his class with two teachers and they um, they basically selected those children based on whether they would get along and whether the teacher would be able to help them. And it was like one of these amazing spots that you just didn't give up. So mm. once we started with him in kindergarten, um, we were offered one of those positions. So we, we, we just grabbed it. After about two years, we could see how that sort of an environment was not, could also not allow him to develop the skills that he needed. Right. So for him, his anxiety was probably the reason why I wanted him to stay in a classroom like that was because if there was if it was too much noise or too many kids yeah. he would just melt down so it was quite a comfortable environment for, for him. him it was great yeah, yeah. but then it sort of tips the other way yeah. doesn't it because you start thinking well unless he's exposed to that mm. he's never going to get used to it mm. which means that he's always going to be mm. in that sort of a setting and there's nothing wrong with that for a lot of children mm. but i really wanted to to sort of push him as hard as i could mm. to get the most out of him because in terms of his personality he's one of those kids that is more than happy to have people do things for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he... Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there are some kids that really love the independence, whereas my son was like, 
I'm more than happy for you to hold my hand. Put my socks on for me. Yeah, hold exactly. my hand. Give hold me a my cuddle. water bottle. Carry me. Exactly. Oh, I love that. So I think I was seeing those behaviours mm. and I thought, well, I'm going to have to try and so, stop this. Exactly. But how, I mean, how did you even go about, I mean, you obviously had some expertise from the teaching staff there because they had that yes. STEM unit. But yes. how did you go about approaching that and kind of talking to them? I mean, you know, and, and, and saying to them, look, well, do you know what? This has been great, but, you know, maybe we need to do a bit more of a transition into mainstream class. And how was that received? You know, how did you explain that? Well, they were more than happy to do that. Mm-hmm. But the school that we were enrolled in weren't forthcoming, I guess. They didn't want the disruption in their mainstream classrooms. Right. And that was within that school. So at that time, he was only six. And then we moved to Qatar. So we then put him in a mainstream school. And whether we would have put him, I don't know whether we would have pulled him out if we had still stayed in Australia. But we decided to come here, which meant that we just had to take on the school, you know, here at the time. And um, we were really lucky because at the time, the head of Sen at the school that he was enrolled in was amazing. Um, and she was very, very like she was on board with trying to give him that independence and being okay with the fact that even if he struggled a bit academically, we were developing the skills he needed to um, develop uh, um, to develop the skills he needed for as he sort of went through school. That person ended up leaving, and then it just went bad. And, and, then it goes, <laughs> and, and, and this is the thing, and, and then it comes what, yeah. crashing down. And so, I think what's what's interesting. Sorry to interrupt you there, but what I think is really, really interesting if you're on one side of the world or the other. Um, the one thing that I have spoken to so many people about and people have experienced this is that if you are in a mainstream setting, then you are in like the luck of the draw, really, right. whether or not that mainstream educator teacher yes. chooses to invest in your child or That's not. Right. And there, right. I, it, it still amazes me to this day that you are, mm-hmm. if you are a teacher and you are are not willing to teach yes um and um to you know to try and teach um send children and i mean a lot of these kids uh, are on the higher functioning mm-hmm. you know they are able to be yes, but yeah. they you know they do fall between the cracks so they yes. have got some additional needs that's why yes. they're send kids yes um and it just makes me very frustrated because oh, yeah. I don't, and I think that a lot of it is down to a lack of understanding and training. Definitely. Um, it, it has to be down to that because I, I just think, well, if you're a teacher, mm-hmm. then, you know, yeah, you should. I think we, we experienced the fact that um, what you, what we thought was a sort of warm, fuzzy, inclusive school ethos was actually the drive of a couple of people and when they go, the whole benefits of a SEN setup go as well because mm. not everybody's on board. Mm. And, and obviously that's what you Well, that's found. what happened yeah. with, with, with him. So then it was a battle of trying to make sure that he was getting the support he needed. And what would happen then is he would have SEN teachers or, sorry, um, shadow teachers that were not trained and were actually taking away a lot of his independence. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, here we go again. Like... Mm. This is the whole reason why I pulled him out of a mm. sense specific, like an autism school, yeah. was I didn't want that. And then now they basically would say, well, he has to have this shadow teacher. And mm. they weren't accountable for ensuring that she was trained and right. knew what he needed. Right. So um, they become more like um, a babysitter or exactly. a nanny. And 
um, like a like um, a crutch. Yes, yes. And the thing is, is <laughs> when you word, when crutch. you when you at that stage yeah. when you teach your child that they need that support. Yeah then they don't mm-hmm. believe in themselves yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening to my son is yeah. he started thinking, well, mm-hmm. obviously I can't do this, so mm-hmm. I need to have a shadow teacher. Mm-hmm. Like I need to have a helper he calls her. Right. And if they don't believe in your child... Yeah. And, and he, he probably quite like that. He well. loved that, yeah. of course. <laughs> he loved that. But then I sometimes wonder how much of that is just his confidence, right. like is the fact that he, he has been conditioned mm-hmm. to have a helper and conditioned to just be the child in the class that doesn't know what's going on mm. so he's like well that that's all i'm capable of right. and i don't i shouldn't even bother trying and right. now that he's what all 12 you know he'll come and he'll tell me you know i don't you know i'm just not smart and i'm just not this and no one's ever said that to him but mm. possibly the environment he's been mm. exposed to mm. has naturally not developed that. Yeah, yeah yeah what about you Moira? a question for you actually which um you know because your son's <laughs> been in a mainstream setting um, just from a personal perspective of getting to know the parents, you know, you know, there's a lot of kind of social, the social side of um, a school classroom, especially when the kids are in um, little school, like primary schools. Um, how did you feel? Because I, I always think that's quite an interesting, well, it's not interesting, it's nerve wracking, I think, that when you are probably one of the only Sen parents in that class, mm-hmm. um, how did you feel that you kind of integrated with the other parents? Um, not not from his perspective, but from your perspective. Do you think things were different for you because, um, you know, we had an unfortunate uh, situation just logistically that we didn't actually see a lot of parents, mm. did we? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sort of made myself a class mum. <laughs> Mm-hmm. to try and get involved the first year when he went to the mainstream school. Um, but, but even that school, they weren't very keen on having parents' involvement at all. Um, Didn't we say that we'd slap you if you did that again? What did I do? No, when you did it. When you did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if I was to be class mom again, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not signed up to any PTA. No, I'm done. Every I'm done. year she signed up and we're like... No more next year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I love it. But you, you need to be involved. That's the only way to find out things. It's true. If you are it's true. involved with these things. Yeah. Um, and to find out how the school works and... Influence. What, try and influence the system and how it works. Or avoid situations or teachers or get to know who who's on board and who's not and who's willing to go the extra mile. Um what was your question? How, <laughs> how did you fit in with the parents? So, so yeah, I just like, we didn't, didn't know the, any. <laughs> and it was a completely um, opposite situation from my daughter. Um, and I don't think it was a autism neurotypical setup. It was just um, it was just a logistic thing for the school. We were too far out, and we didn't see any parents. Mm. So, Alison, tell us about your experience with, like, choosing schools for Noah and how that went for you. I think I had, um, I felt that I had the best of both both worlds with um, the school that we selected for him after he finished early intervention because I felt that he had the offer of the mainstream and SEN. Um, and same situation as Moira, it didn't, you know, management changed and everything else. And... Um, 
it didn't really work out as um, I had hoped it to. Um, so I think the first kind of early years for him, uh, probably up to the about, about the age of like seven or eight, I think that a mainstream setting was absolutely fine with him um, if, with a bit of support. Um, and he did always have a shadow teacher, which I totally agree with you guys. And, you know, assistants, learning support assistants, whatever you want to call them, um, they don't generally promote a huge amount of independence, which is obviously what we want for our children. Um, but now he's older, I really do see the benefit and I have seen the benefits in the last kind of 12 months of him being in a Sen setting. And I think I really felt quite strongly for a good few years that I didn't want that for him. I, I, I felt that he was more capable. Um, and not because I had rose-tinted glasses on, but I really felt that just with the right guidance, he could achieve in a mainstream setting. Mm -hmm. um, however, you know, when you haven't got curriculum that's... Um, you know, made and changed for them with visual, you know, all of that that you need. And as kids get older and the curriculum becomes even more complicated, you just see, and I, well, not in all cases, but I mean, for us, we saw the gap widening. Um, as long, language becomes more complex, the books that they're reading become more complex, the independence becomes more com complex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, I think that he had a good run at mainstream. I think it's a shame that he's not in a mainstream setting now and it can't work right now because he loves that interaction with his, like peers, mainstream peers. I think it does all of the children good. Um, and I think for a while I felt really angry about the fact that there wasn't really anywhere, anywhere in the world, I think probably the States is the only place where they do a decent job and that's only in certain areas i'm sure everyone's experience is different about uh, a fully integrated program where children can access everything that they need but kind of be in a mainstream setting and i just don't think the curriculum is built for it you know either the british curriculum or you know especially when you're overseas um they just don't have the setup for it they need a same curriculum to yes. be standardised the same way as British well, or ID. Or and I think that's true. Know. But also, I think that, you know, like so many people have said, I think probably recently, just over the last like 12 to 18 months, that the whole teaching, the whole curriculum, whatever that might be, needs a massive overhaul mm -hmm. because, you know, from children that are on the spectrum, but a high, 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 high functioning, sorry mm -hmm. about using those, but I mean, that's the only way to describe it now but they fall through the cracks and they need extra help in certain areas. Or, you know, it's a kid that's got ADHD and just needs some extra time to work through their paper or needs a bit of quiet time to concentrate. All of these things matter. Um, and yeah, it just makes me very, very frustrated. I mean, if I had my time again now and we had a, a good kind of sense school, I probably would have put him into a sense school probably about a year earlier yeah, because same. I feel like the foundations, what he's learned in 12 months, independent learning, um, being able to tell the time, being able to read and follow instructions, you know, all of those kind of basics that they never really got 100% the foundation, that solid foundation, have really not stood him in good stead really for building on that because you can't build on a weak foundation. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
Yeah, and, and I, I think that's kind of my advice really to any parent who's listening to this, that there is a massive stigma attached. And I've got two other children as well who are main, like, you know, at mainstream schools. And, you know, one of those factors was the fact that I wanted them to be all at school together. And I still, I mean, I've made a really good choice. I know I have, because I know everyone's thriving, everyone's happy and everyone's getting what they need, mm -hmm. but it's not right for me. It mm -hmm. still hurts me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a pain in the butt because I've got like so many different mm -hmm. school runs and everything else. I mean, for me, it's stressful, but I mean, for them, you know, it's okay. Everyone's we, getting what they everyone's need. Everyone's getting what they need, and that's what we need to look at. But in an, but I mean, that's an idea. probably world. still sad that they're not together. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because I know when my daughter goes to another school after mm. the summer, they're going to be. It's going to be sad that they won't be going in yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, it is sad. I think it's just one of these things where, in an ideal world, we would have, mm. you know, a lot of things happening. And usually, when you get started in this situation, you're looking like for the ideal situation yeah. and it takes people sometimes a little bit longer than others to accept the fact that the ideal does not exist yeah. and it's very hard to kind of like have to deal with the situation basically dependent on what is available and what you can afford and what the system is exactly yeah. and i think you and i were having a quick conversation about this before we started recording mm -hmm. and it's absolutely true what you said and, um, you know, we were talking about uh, a, a group that we're kind of a WhatsApp group that we're part of. And it's just it's just very telling. There's a lot of very, very frustrated parents out there that talk and really focus their energy on the stuff that's not right. And it's really, really easy to do. And we've all done it. Yeah, we have. And I think it's just like, you know, because we don't have a place to kind of like talk to mm. people that have same issues mm. or find some kind of like whether it's like support groups or whatever mm. but like we're not processing our own like emotions and what we want and how we felt and all of that so I think you know sometimes people need to get that of out course. but there comes to a point where like talking about it and just being frustrated is just you know you're ruminating mm. over mm. the same thing over and over and you get to a point where you just need to kind of stop and take some kind of action even if it's not the right thing or the perfect thing but progress i guess over perfection in this situation right. focus on the positives yeah, yeah the yeah. perseveration station mm -hmm. so you just need to yeah so it's just like a taking a leap of faith and just making a different the like best just, out of yeah it. and just taking mm -hmm. small steps like you say yeah. to um i mean what's your experience now yeah i was gonna say the other thing too is that there's a part of us as parents that want to keep fighting for our children and want these schools to realize how much like how great our children are and how much they can contribute to the school so there's a part of us that just want to keep pushing but then once it sort of tips and that's a really difficult thing for us parents is once it tips to the point that you think my child is actually now at a disadvantage while I'm here trying to get them to not accept but just learn and you know, uh, compromise. And and the, when you start seeing that the environment is actually not, um, like it's actually now possibly even damaging your yeah. child, yeah. 
but then how do you, you you don't want to give up because you don't want I know this sounds terrible but you don't you don't want the system to win because you think the only way it's going to change is if us parents are there yeah. bashing down the door yeah. going no yeah, you, you need to you need to advocate for them this so, is true but, but so, our children are the victims in it like they're like collateral damage and you're like looking at your child thinking oh god like how, how they're long miserable can I keep they're happy or they're not learning yeah exactly how long am I going to mm. stay like this for so yeah. it's a really I think it's very personal in terms of how hard like how far you I mean your experience last year um, yes. was pretty tough yeah. all round yeah. and a lot of us made decisions based on yes. what was I need details because I don't was, know what that is oh, well, <laughs> it, it, look I think it was a um, it was a situation where they just refused to offer any more support going into middle school yeah. but without any sort of um, uh, what's explanation warning, warning. 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 and yeah. I had I had gone to the school several times and said, are we on track? If you look at his report cards, he's at grade level, everything is fine. And then they basically turned around and said, oh, we're not willing to support him anymore. Mm. And that was really hard because, again, we're on the other side of the world. It's not mm-hmm. easy for us to get into a school. So suddenly you're thrown into this chaotic, crazy situation. Mm-hmm. Um and then, yeah, I did have to split my children up. They, they've ended up going to different schools now because I can't keep, you know, I'd love to keep them together as well. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was really un- very unfortunate situation. It was an unfortunate <laughs> yes. situation, but, I mean, seeing you go through that was... And many other parents. Yes, yes. that's right. Let's the, not forget like the, the other parents. Of stress, yeah. I think, yeah. like, parents go through just to get their kids in a school. Mm. Is just ridiculous. And keep them in a school. And yes. then so keep them. Yeah. And then the whole time. honestly, mm. like for me, I think I've had this uh, discussion with so many different people where, you know, they're asking like for recommendations, for example, and I maybe like give them a, a little, you know, summary of my experience at the school we're in. However, I always end it with, but that's my experience with that's my right. child. Each child is different. What and might work for him might not work exactly. for you. Exactly, and it's also how you approach it as well. Definitely. So how you, um, as a parent, navigate the system within the school. And I think some parents lose sight of the goal. Like, Or maybe it's not, I don't want to be judgmental, but some parents, I think, get so frustrated and have so many blocked doors that they reach a point where maybe they are okay with ha- having their kids in any school. Yeah. Uh, just because if, they've got them in a in yeah, a if, in a mainstream school. If they school. have a, a shadow or LSA who is basically a babysitter or is being used as a crutch and not really helping them learn and thrive, mm. because that for them is better than nothing. Mm. Which maybe it is, but like for me, I was always looking for mm. him having the support yeah. that he needs, yeah. and he he has had amazing support over the years. But like now, I'm going into this new phase mm. where. I don't necessarily feel like we have the support that we need, but it's just because it's just a completely different setup. Yeah. And I think at one point I felt just so exhausted that I didn't really like, I don't want to say I didn't have any fight left in me, but I just needed to give myself some time to kind break. of like, you know, um, I don't know. No, because yeah. I think it is. I think it does drain you. It's draining. Yeah, and after you've exhausting. done it for so many years, mm-hmm. and then it pivots and pivots and pivots, and every every time we change teacher, then everyone you needs to know. Over again, and like every, and one. we need to start negotiating. We need to be not, like we need to be. It's not just well, here he is, see ya. Yeah. It's you know, 
all of the prerequisites that generally come along with it. And then if you change, you know, as your child gets older, you know, I've seen my eldest daughter, who's now in middle school, moving up to high school this year, um, the demands that are placed on her in terms of organization and in terms of managing herself. Mm. Um, and to be able to find, you know, and I know parents that are doing that with um, send children, their own send children, um, Huma being one of them, you know, um, our Huma. And that is very, very challenging because I think that there's less there's less support available oh, in yeah. less accommodations and less mm-hmm. accommodations and you know in in those kind of settings as they get older really than they're funny expected that you yeah. mentioned organization because like this is literally my problem now like I've never needed to adjust um, anything curriculum wise because he's very smart he picks things and things up quickly he, he has I would say a little bit of a confidence issue mm-hmm. um, but part of that is now the organization of how their notebooks are supposed to be and I think the school is really stressing this out and like writing down your homework and your planners and this and that and he's not an organized person and I've had like multiple multiple meetings at the end of last mm-hmm. school year and at the beginning of this mm-hmm. one etc and I haven't really seen that much being done about it but really like right now what's giving him a hard time in school is the organization yeah, it, part. And that's the toughest part. And, and I know that Huma finds that very stressful as well because she, if he doesn't write down what his homework is, they're like, well, I'm not, we're not giving that to you. Mm. This is your responsibility. Yeah. And it's like, well, where is that level of support? Why, why can't you just email it to the parent just yeah. so that if there is any repercussions in the evening and they haven't yes. done that, that at least that they can coach them through that rather exactly. than a panic at eight o'clock at night because they don't have the you know and then you've got two problems then you've got the fact that they don't know what the homework is and also you're not going to be able to produce it for the next day because exactly. you're not sure what it is so um yeah I think that the, the 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 expectations of kids when they get into secondary school is is a very obviously very very different from primary school um, but they all of a sudden like a magic wand. It's all, almost if you move to like a secondary school that you, you you're know, expected you, to well, be. Well, but you become ultra organized like mm-hmm. that, you know, in the space of a summer holiday, in the space of six weeks, which mm-hmm. is not gonna, it's mm-hmm. not gonna happen. And you know, they should promote and encourage, you know, all of that independence. But it it has to be nurtured and it has to be taught, and especially to children on the spectrum. I think kids with ADHD. That's one of the biggest issues is the fact that they they lack that organization, that planning. Yes. So why not try and teach that? Because, you know, it's a, it's a life skill ultimately. Definitely. And it's going to stand them in good stead to, to get their work done. Yeah, it's a very interesting um, situation. So um, just finally, ladies, because we'll bring this to mm-hmm. a close now. Uh, what would be your best piece of advice, each of you, for any parent who was in a situation where they were trying to, maybe they've got the opportunity to choose between a SEN school and um, a mainstream school, or you know maybe they're at a crossroads and they're making a decision whether to stick with it, they'll give up and you know give in and go to a SEN school. What, what's your best piece of advice, Moira? Um, I don't know, when I look back um, and Callum came out of EI, went into mainstream in a supposed sense set up but really it probably wasn't 
Um, and my focus was, yeah, well, mainstream, mainstream, that's the end goal, that's where we've got to be. And if he needs the support, then fine. And if it's a shadow teacher, then fine. And I thought, because you only know what you know at the time, I thought that's, that's the perfect thing. He's got someone to help him. And now that he's out of that, and he's in a sen, proper SEN class with only six or eight kids, and he's doing things by himself, I feel quite sad that spent all those years with a shadow teacher doing a lot of things for him. Um, but that's, that's Callum. I, I think um, if I could have put him into his current situation, like you, way before now, that would have, now, that would be my choice. Mm. Maha? I think it really depends on the schools and it really depends on your child. So, mm. um, you know, as you get, as we've said before, like this is a spectrum. So we don't know, each child's going to have their own, um, their own needs. And so if your child is able to cope in a mainstream environment and develop those skills, I think that, you know, giving them that opportunity to develop those skills is really important. Um, because again, those skills are, are usually not, um, it's, it's, it's hard to develop, you know, your, your child's ability to cope in a social setting when there's only like a handful of students that they are exposed to daily and it's the same kids year after year. Mm. So I think in that situation, it, you just have to look at your child and go, what, what exactly do I want to develop in my child, help develop in my child? Um, for my son, I... But again, that's just my son. I would probably want him to stick to a mainstream setting because I know that's his biggest challenge. And if I take him away from that, he won't develop that skill. He'll be in a very, very safe, safe environment. And and for his future, I'm always thinking of where do I, what do I want to see when he's 20? I don't worry about it now. I just think I have to help him get that now as hard as it is for him. Um, as long as it's not obviously damaging his mental health or anything like that, which it's not. He loves going to school and that's all I care about. Whether he gets an A or an F, I actually don't care. I just care that he's learning how to cope in different sort of settings. He's kind of thriving in that in So that it really depends yeah. on the child. So, yeah, yeah so I, but again, he was at a SEN school and I could see amazing advantages for him being in a SEN mm -hmm. school. Um, but I think you just have to take it, each child, yeah. each case. Yeah. And, yeah. Susanna? I would just second what Maha just said. It's really a case-by-case -case thing. We're all unique. It depends on your ultimate goal. Are you just wanting them to be comfortable? Or do you want to, as uncomfortable as it might be, challenge them for them to grow? And I think, honestly, if the situation permits where they can be integrated in a mainstream, that might be in the long term a better situation for them however if the child is not ready for that or if that's not the right environment that's only going to be more stressful for the child more stressful for the parents then it's really not the right thing mm -hmm. so i think at all times you need to really just kind of let your ego completely stay out mm -hmm. of the situation and remind yourself that it's not about you at all mm. and it's about you know, your child and, you know, you need to make whatever decision you think is best for them at that time. And that would also mean you need to reflect every once in a while if the situation is still working for you or not. And if not, as scary as it might be, 
it's okay to be courageous and just like take the plunge and move to the next step mm -hmm. so yeah so i i just want to say like you guys are awesome because i love the fact that you've experienced both options and as hard as it was you kind of like made that decision mm -hmm. and now you're seeing like how much you know it's changed the boys that's, so that's it and i think oh i think they're great points what you've just said is absolutely spot on um and it's it's not it's about not being afraid of change um and adapting to the situation that you're in and also i think you know for, for newly diagnosed parents the, the the parents of newly diagnosed children it's absolutely about ego and we all say that we you know some people don't have the option but if you have the option but you think that's the right really really think about you know whether or not it is you know the right thing for now because nothing nothing's forever definitely you know you could do it for a year you know and pivot back and and actually i always felt that if we took noah away from the mainstream school and put him in a send school that we'd be moving backwards mm -hmm. but we have actually made so much progress by doing something that I always thought would be a backward step. Uh -huh. And it actually hasn't been. It's been the best thing that we, we've, we've done since early intervention, to yeah. be honest. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's just about identifying their needs for one year at a time. You know, even if you take it slowly, slowly, and then, you know, if it doesn't work, then you find another option. But learning is the key, isn't it? It's learning, making sure that they're thriving, making sure that they're making progress. If they are, and ultimately they're happy yes. and you're happy, then um, it's a good it's a good mm -hmm. start. Thank you ladies for joining me this evening. Um, it's so nice to see you all in person and feel so much more natural. Um, you have, uh, some really great insight and some really great experience. And I think that all of the the points that you've made are super valid. So I hope listeners, you've found this uh, super helpful and interesting to listen to. Thanks for joining this live podcast brought to you by Learn Autism, the world's leading digital autism resource. To learn more about autism, check out their website at learnautism.com. Be sure to follow us, like us, and share with your friends and family. And we'll see you next time for our next episode. Thanks for listening.